0: Welcome to the Musician's Venture Podcast. This is a podcast focused on lessons learned from musicians' backstories, as well as from building successful careers in the music business. My name is Nick O'Brien, and I'll be interviewing artists and industry experts and offering insights based on events that Wisconsin Music Ventures has produced. On occasion, I'll be joined by Allison M, the founder of Wisconsin Music Ventures, as she and I will dive into topics relevant to the music industry. So let's get down to business. Welcome to this episode of the Musicians Venture Podcast. I am your host, Nick O'Brien, and I'm delighted to have with me today Bissa Ray, who is a Milwaukee artist. Um, Bissa has just recently, you know, within the last few weeks, uh, put out uh, a new single. And so we're going to be speaking with her about not only that, but also um, about just how she's gotten into uh, the music career and what's inspired her and all of that great stuff. So uh, just to kind of uh, introduce you as listeners to who we'll be speaking with today. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and uh, and just read a little bit of Bissa's bio. So, Bissa hails from a small town in big city clothing, also known as Milwaukee. Uh, Songstress Bissa Ray is well-versed in the creation of Sonic Dreamscapes, evocative of nostalgic, soulful productions. With a growing catalog of soul and R&B-infused production, Bissa Ray's limitless and creative mentality is reflected in her discography, and she effortlessly floats between subgenres. Blending styles to create her own distinctive sound, her productions are packed with divine feminine energy as she harnesses her unique talent for communicating relatable experiences. Captivating listeners with her youthful exuberance yet humble wisdom, Bissa's latest offering pairs playful guitar riffs with unhurried drum patterns slowing the pace of our day-to-day lives as the production perfectly complements a layered, gritty, but breezy top line. Bissa Ray is undoubtedly an artist born out of organic growth and collaboration, drawing inspiration from the likes of Sid, Steve Lacey, and her, and praising them for their raw and honest approach to songwriting. Following her introduction to production, Bissa found herself directing all aspects of her work from cover art to visuals, a method which has allowed much room for creative expression, resulting in offerings truly reflective of her personality. She's armed with her distinct mezzo-soprano vocals, Bissa's playful and romantic style effortless, effortless, excuse me, effortlessly cuts through the, the noise as she continues to forge her way as a female artist, a strong advocate for women's rights, with an aim to connect and share common experiences through music harnessing true encounters and emotions is second nature to Bissa as she creates an experience for fans, bringing like-minded individuals together in a safe space. much can be said for Bissa Ray's rich and varied experiences from small town Wisconsin church choirs, which I'm sure we'll get into and university and gospel cho- university gospel choirs to begin to being largely involved in the underground rap scene of Milwaukee where she worked alongside hip-hop producers, exposing herself to a multitude of musical spaces. Bissa, what a bio. Uh, I'm (laughs) so excited to dive into all of that. Uh, Welcome to the Musician's Venture Podcast. I'm so happy you're here with us today.
1: Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here.
0: Yeah, so Bissa, you, like I said, at the top of, of, of of the episode here, you recently put out a new single called Other People, and you are, I assume, working to promote that and, and and get that listened to by as many people as possible. Can you give us a, a, a quick look into what life is like for Bessiree right now? What does your yeah. day-to-day consist of?
1: <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, actually, not only is it a single, but it's a full body of work. Uh, so other people is sort of the lead track that I've been promoting off of a collection of tracks that I've just released, um, under the title, sad girl season. Uh, so I've been, uh, just doing a lot of work recently, uh, trying to focus on how to c- continue to keep the momentum going, Um, you know, this body of work I spent two years creating. Uh, So when you take that much time uh, to prepare uh, something, I think it's important to do your due diligence and kind of honor uh, it on the back end after it's been released as well. I think a lot of artists, you know, put out a song or put out a collection of tracks and feel as though the work Is done there, but honestly, that's where the work just begins. So, you know, it's just constantly collaborating with different artists around the Milwaukee area, trying to continue to create content, uh, you know, gearing up and preparing for live performances, uh, connecting with individuals in a capacity similar to this, um, you know, talking about the project and just trying to get people excited and listening and um, acting motivated to hopefully uh share the music with the people that they care because or that they care about because it's music that I really care about. And I think that there's a important message that lives there as well. So I think the more people uh it can touch, the better.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Uh I, I really love your focus on you know collaboration, particularly with uh you know some of the artists and, and individuals that are kind of uh right here in your backyard. Um What's, I'm just curious. What is your uh, what has been your experience like uh, working with other Milwaukee artists?
1: I mean, it hasn't been easy. I, I think I would be remiss to act as though uh, you know, everything is smooth sailing all the time. I think a lot of being a young artist and, and coming up in a scene is kind of trial and error. you you have to work with the resources that you have given to you and so you connect with, different people and you allow relationships to kind of play out naturally and hope that they, uh, you know, flourish and some do, and some don't. I think currently I have a really beautiful community, especially of visual artists that I've been connecting with, uh, photographers like September born and Carnegie imagery um, particularly are kind of like my two greatest champions right now. Um, and so I am just grateful to have, uh, you know, people who can kind of help, bring my visuals and my concepts to life. I am pretty much a one woman show right now. Um, I'm fortunate to have the support of my brother Cole uh, when it comes to live performances. Uh, But when it comes to marketing um, and and doing everything behind the scenes that comes to uh, putting out music, you know, it's all just me. So I'm I'm very grateful to have the community that I do um, supporting me and helping to bring my vision to life.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I, I I like that you've embraced the challenges that come with collaboration, but um also kind of you said one of my favorite words, which is community. And uh I, I think that's honestly what makes um, you know, particularly uh, creatives, uh it enables them to do what they do with the community around them. Um so now that we've got a peek at like what what it's just like for you right now, um kind of coming off of the release of of other people. Um, let's rewind. Let's go back to the beginning. I'm really curious to learn what influenced you, um, whether it was early, I'm, I'm guessing it was early in your life, um, you know, singing in, in church choirs and things like that. What influenced you to become drawn to music, particularly as a creator um, versus just a consumer, whether stories or people or experiences that you can call upon that that you think were pretty critical to that?
1: Sure. Um, Well, you know, I've been performing just about my whole life. Uh, My dad directs all of the local musicals at the high school in my hometown. So I grew up uh, quite literally from the time I was an infant, you know, in theaters around music, um as the bio said you know uh singing in joy choir as a small kid and growing up singing in church in those environments and then going on to um, you know, play violin and also continue to train classically, uh, for musical theater, as well as jazz, all kind of in my childhood, um, kind of being creative and music in general always had a strong, uh, place in my life. It's always just been a part of who I am. Um, and so I think, you know, landing, uh, in a profession like this in a way kind of feels inevitable. Uh, But I think that there were definitely uh, maybe just like the hurdle of permission uh, to kind of go after a career like this and, and um, you know, create music in the capacity that I am and, and take it as seriously as I am. Um, you know, that's not the sort of thing that you do where I'm from, you know, I'm from a small town in Wisconsin. Um, you know, there's a particular mindset that you have. I think from the time I was like nine years old, my parents were like, you should go to Yale. (laughs) So I think like, you know, there always was this pressure to kind of be a really strong academic, um, you know, go to university um, and find more of a traditional career, um, which, of course, I went to the University of Milwaukee. That's how I landed in Milwaukee um, and studied film, (laughs) which is not traditional at all. Um, But, you know, being in a creative field like that, um, I think just kind of started to open up my mind to the possibility of kind of like, what a career can look like and kind of creating your own definition of, uh, what your future is. And that doesn't necessarily have to falter into like doctor, lawyer, teacher, what, <laughs> whatever regular career, uh, you might think of. So I think, you know, uh, I started writing music when I was 14, performing, uh, you know, at the state fair (laughs) uh, with my 4-H company that I was a part of, which is very Wisconsin, very rural sort of upbringing. And then Um, you know, had a myriad of different groups. I think the first band I ever had was like a three piece jazz trio with a standing bass and a piano. And we do like old school jazz cuts. Um, I was part of a psychedelic rock band for a while. Um, And then, you know, eventually I just reached the point where, um, you know, I was at university. I was really struggling with my mental health because of Uh, just kind of the lack of uh, creative release uh, that I think I really found with music. And it wasn't that I wasn't getting the opportunity to be creative. Like I said, I was going after a degree in uh, film and video practices. Uh, But, you know, music has just always held such a special place in my heart. It is really, truly such a form of self-expression, you know, and I think being able to create music really grounds me uh, to kind of be okay and be the person that I am today and you know, it it truly is just a part of who I am uh, being able to write music and sing and kind of have that release. So yeah, I would just sit in my classes and write song after song in my notebook. I remember, uh, you know, literally I would write these songs. I'd have full lyrics with like melodies, but I didn't have any production or any way to, you know, bring them to life or share them with people. And, eventually I came across like kind of like a SoundCloud rapper type studio hole in the wall um through some people that I would party with in college and you know I I I went to the guy who was running that and I said to him you know I don't have any money I'm completely broke I'm a college student I'm barely making rent um and I don't have anyone to vouch for me um or to say like this is something you should do for me or that you should bet on but like I have a story to tell. And like, I have a song, a notebook full of songs. And like, I think this is something that I could do. I was going to a lot of local shows in the scene. And like the bio said, you know, a lot of rap shows at that time. And, you know, seeing a lot of like smaller independent artists, even like that as a possibility was kind of just being introduced to me. But I think I was watching those people do it. And I was like, you know, like, this is something I think I can do. This is something I want to do. And then, you know, the universe kind of came into play and I had the opportunity to start working in a local studio out in river West and, uh, you know, connect with a couple local producers at the time. And, uh, you know, the rest is really history. I'm, I'm really grateful for all of the opportunities, uh, that I've been given. No one ever, like I said, no one ever gave me permission. I gave myself permission. I went after the things that I wanted and I'm really grateful that I did because I'm, I'm where I'm at now.
0: Yeah. That's awesome story. Thank you for sharing so much about that. Um, how, so how long ago was it that you, that you gave yourself permission to do this? What, what year was that? Do you think that would
1: have been like probably 2018.
0: Okay. Okay. So you've been going at it like this for for about four years or a little bit more?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's but it was like an interesting trajectory, Um, obviously, with the pandemic kind of slicing that timeline right in half, uh, you know, I think perhaps we'll get to this, but I previously went by a artist named Liza Jane. And that's where like my first body of work, internet girl was released. And that's where a lot of like my beginnings, uh, happened. The name changed happened in 2020, but you know, I just released internet girl, um, Nile, ex Nile, who's another really popular artist here in Milwaukee is doing a lot of great things in the scene. Um, definitely worth checking out his music. Um, you know, we were kind of coming up in the same camp uh, you know, I'm, I'm good friends with the, all of the nerds, you know, shout out, you know, mine and verge and architect, all of them, you know, they, they, they're still hustling right now. And now was kind enough to invite me on his first little like regional tour. So I just gotten the opportunity to start performing for the first time ever. You know, I think the first show I ever did was actually out in Chicago and then quickly followed by a St. Louis show and then bringing it back to Milwaukee. Uh, you know, I just put out my project, and we were kind of gearing up to start doing more live performances and kind of see what happened next. And then, uh, boom, you know, pandemic hits, uh, all of that momentum kind of falls flat and the community aspect of music, which especially on a local level is a really big part of it kind of goes away. So you have to recontextualize, uh, what it means to be an artist. You have to kind of ask yourself, is this something that I'm serious about? And that I have the tenacity to continue with, uh, through adversity, but, you know, uh, I was grateful to have a lot of opportunities, um, and kind of, I I probably will continue to talk about it like this, but, you know, signs from the universe that just kind of continued to guide me and push me to continue. And I'm, like I said, I mean, I'm grateful. I'm grateful that I did. I, I, like I said, I feel like I have something important to do with my art. And so it's, uh, a good thing to, to still be creating and sharing what I'm working on.
0: Yeah. So, so the, uh, you mentioned the name change, did that, did that come as a result of this kind of like halt and momentum, or was that, was that established before the pandemic?
1: Uh, so, you know, it honestly didn't really have too much to do with the pandemic aside from the timing. um, I reached a point where, you know, I'd previously been going by Liza Jane. There was another artist, I believe, uh, maybe out of like Florida, who was also going by that name. And in addition to that, Liza Jane is like a classic, uh, like folk song. Lilo, Liza Jane, whatever. So when you Google Liza Jane, you're getting a hodgepodge of like, Nina Simone singing the old song, some other classic country singer singing that song, maybe an article about me, maybe an article about the other girl named Liza Jane. Now, when I picked the name, it was personal to me because my my grandfather would always call me Lizzie Liza Jane. And so it just felt like a a natural thing. I I chose that name. actually. I'd taken like an impromptu trip out to Los Angeles. Uh, with one of my good friends at the time, we, we skipped town and, uh, went to go check out a female film festival where a director was going to be that we really were interested in meeting. Um, and I remember we released my first ever song on uh SoundCloud and he was like, okay, we, we have to pick a name. We have to pick a name. And so Liza Jane was the name. We dropped the first ever track. Uh, but you kind of reach a point where it's like, if when you're serious about this there's there's realities to kind of uh lanes that you want to be able to carve for yourself right so like even just having optimization and like people being able to discover m- my music when they're when they're coming to look for it and not having to sift through a lot of other stuff that doesn't have anything to do with what i'm working on is really vital and is really crucial like i said i want people to be able to find me i want people to be able to interact with what i'm doing and so um I had the opportunity to go through an accelerator program and, you know, I just had this conversation with them. I know the people I was working with had, helped other artists potentially rebrand and change their name before. And so it was a bit of a conversation just when we were talking about like, what was the direction I wanted to be moving in? it was like, maybe it is time to try to find a different name and find something that's going to be holistically and uniquely myself. And so uh, that was ultimately kind of what, what pushed me to, to make that call.
0: And so tell, tell me, tell us, I should say about, the the origin story of of Ray. like you said it's 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 personal to you it's representative of you um how so
1: so it really is just like a moniker of my actual name so my name is elizabeth my middle name is ray elizabeth ray when i was a kid i couldn't quite say elizabeth so i would refer to myself as bissa So Bissaray, it's simply me. It's just my name, a a little personal spin, a a child version of myself, which, you know, I think there's something really sweet about that as well, because a lot of the work that I do, uh, you know, with my art, with my music, even, you know, in therapy, I'm a huge advocate for mental health, is kind of tapping into, uh, you know, that inner child work too, and kind of uh, honoring your child self and and holding your child self hand, and so I think there's something like extra beautiful about kind of being able to honor my child self, uh, with the name that I that I use for my art.
0: Oh, that's beautiful. I love that. So, t- talk to me about how your advocacy for mental health, um, your experiences with with mental health, have have kind of found uh, their way into your music, into your into what you're creating. I'm super interested in that because I think, one, that's something that I think a lot of musicians, particularly young musicians now, are using as a, an inspiration uh, for, for creativity. Um, but I think it always means something a bit different to everyone else, to everyone. So I'm curious, what how does mental health find its way into your music?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, it's been <laughs> rampant through my music from the, from the very beginning, you know, the name of the project sad girl season is no accident. Like I'm a sad girl. I, I struggle with my mental health. I, I've gone through a lot of things in my life and you know, it's heavy. Life is heavy. Whoever you are, uh, whatever your life experience has been, even if you have like the quote unquote picturesque, most perfect life, like that person is struggling with things too. So I think, you know, there's something just kind of natural and inherent when it comes to creating, I feel, or at least for me personally, in the way that I approach it, you know, I write all my own songs. And when I, when I write my music, you know, I'm putting myself in the music, like I'm talking about my experiences. I'm talking about the, the things that I have been through, the things that I'm going through, the things that I'm worried about. I think, uh, Again, if you listen to either collection of work, if you listen to Internet Girl, number one, it's interesting even now for me to kind of go back and re-listen to that because, you know, I can I can feel for 2019 Liz, right? I can feel for her and she's struggling and and it's all over the music. You know, I'm asking for help. Even like Self Help, the closing track on that collection of tracks literally has a voicemail from my actual therapist as kind of like the base of that whole song. Uh, you know and and like you know I'm singing about my mom being worried for me and and like sending me weird text messages about like doing better <laughs> you know like it it's it's all over the place and, and you know sometimes it's about relationships sometimes I'm talking to myself sometimes I'm talking about what I wish I had uh or or you know things I'm scared of or things I'm struggling with. Uh, it it comes across in, in a lot of different ways. And when I think about like the music that means the most to me and the music, as a listener, that has had the most impact on me. uh, It's when those artists are really talking about their truth and when they're really sharing about their hardship and the things that they've been through. Uh, Because music has saved my life uh, countless times. And, you know, it helps to make you feel less alone. It helps to make you feel seen. It helps to put words or feelings uh, in in more of a tangible space. Uh, And I think there's something really valid to that. So I think on a personal level, when I'm creating, I I hope that I'm able to do that for people, and I know even too just from being able to connect with listeners that like, uh, the music is able to have that impact at least in some capacity for folks. Uh, so it feels it feels like success.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can I can relate. Uh, your music does speak to 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 me, particularly in that realm of mental health. I think, you know, it's, mental health has just been something. Um, you know, in the last few years that has come to the surface as something that uh, people are more um, open to talking about. Uh, and so I wonder with with you, I'm curious, was was there a, a hesitance at all in terms of being that vulnerable uh, with your with your music and and kind of expressing some of the challenges uh, that you've experienced like, or, or was it just a no brainer? No, this is, this is my life. I'm going to, I'm going to write songs about my challenges, my struggles. Um, I guess I'm just curious about the vulnerability aspect of, of your music.
1: Yeah. You know, it's interesting uh, on a couple of different levels. It's first of all, a lot of times subconscious, I think, you know, uh, when I'm creating, when I'm writing, when I'm in that space, I'm never thinking about how it's going to be received or perceived. I'm just creating, you know, I'm just putting myself out there. I'm just writing how I'm being called to create. Uh, You hear a guitar line or you start to see a piece of production come together and the inspiration hits and, and you just, you let it flow. And I think like, especially early on, Before I had released any music and I was just trying to do this, like trying to figure out what it looked like, trying to figure out how to put together music more in a way that's like authentically me. I mean, I think that's like an interesting, and and this is a little bit of a tangent, but like even just as a creative or like specifically as a musician, having to lean on other collaborators uh, to help you create the ultimate vision of what you're trying to produce to lean and kind of, uh, carve out what your aesthetic is like. I mean, if you listen to my early stuff again, very strong hip hop production. There's an EDM track of mine that exists on SoundCloud. If you want to go search that out, it exists. Um, So, you know, it's like you kind of have to claw your way through even just like landing in a spot where you're making something where you're like, oh, cool. Like this is authentically me. This is the sound that I'm going for. And so again, when you kind of finally hit that point, you're not thinking like, Oh no, I'm going to expose myself. You're like, Oh, perfect. Like I can finally like lay down my burdens in this way that feels the most authentic to who I am and how I want to express myself and how I want to put these things out. And then truthfully, again, like a lot of what preparing this collection of tracks was because, so it's, the project is nine tracks that's nine of maybe 35 that was made in a two and a half week period. So even just the process of going through all of that music, listening, trying to hear what is good, what is not good, what makes the cut, what's really good, but it's just not quite good enough to to stand up amongst the rest, you know, going through that whole process. Again, I'm not even focused on like, oh, this is embarrassing or like, oh, I, what if someone's going to see me for who I really am? You know what I mean? Like whatever, like I'm, I'm a very transparent person. I think I said that to you at the beginning of the interview, you were like, is there anything I should steer clear of? I was like, no, because I'm just being a hundred percent myself all the time. My experiences are mine and I'm proud to own that. And I'm proud to just kind of wear my, my life experiences, my success, my trauma, my failures. I wear all of that as a badge of pride because again, like it's all part of the journey. It's all part of evolution. It's part of life. It's part of being a human being. And so I think again, when I'm putting that stuff into the music, I'm just talking to you. I'm talking to the listener about my life, about my real experience. And like the truth of the matter is whoever is listening to it, there's going to be something that connects there because again, we're all in this together. We all have different life experiences. We all have different starting points. We all have different privileges. All of that exists. But at the end of the day, the human experience is something that we can't escape. And um, yeah, I don't know. Like I said, this is the way that I get through. This is the way that I process it. Like I make music because I need to make music to be alive. Like when I stop making music, I become very depressed and like the context of my life shifts and and I feel a lot less grounded and I feel a lot less like myself. So the fact that like I'm able to even use this tool for myself and then other people are able to take that and use it for themselves in any way is just a privilege. So I'm just happy to to be able to share that and be vulnerable. And I, I know that this is quite a long tangent at this point, but like also Sometimes I listen to my music and it it like retroactively will dawn on me that I was talking about something. Like again, a lot of it is sometimes subconscious. I mean, even a lot of this body of work, and uh I did a really great interview with uh DJ Kenny over at 889. So if you enjoy this, definitely go check that out and gain a little bit more insight. But but I talked with him a little bit about how uh you know the producers, I was working with ducked off to make this whole body of work. And that was my ex-boyfriend and his best friend. And going through that relationship in the middle of the pandemic was really challenging. Like it, and and I think, again, I think that's relatable. I think that's real. I think a lot of people went through that in some capacity, whether you made it out or not, like it was hard for everyone. And so like, what was kind of wild even too. And and it still is happening to me now is sometimes I'll listen back to a song on the album, but sometimes one of those other of the 35 that I haven't listened to the extra 20,000 times and be like, Oh my God, I was literally talking exactly how I felt on this song being created by the person I was talking about. And, and neither of us were even aware of it because i was just writing, you know? Like it was just like this is a good song. We're making a good song. That's a good theme. This is a good melody. I like the way the lyrics hit, right? But then when you are, have the context and you know they always say hindsight is 2020, you can go back and be like, "Oh my god. I was crying out for help and like none of us could even realize it because you know when you're in something and when you're that close to it, a lot of the times you you can't see the picture until you're a little bit farther away." <sighs>
0: Bissa, like, I know you said this is a tangent, but that's just a, it's a beautiful, like, um, kind of reflection on what the creative process is like for you and what inspires that. And um, even, you know, at some point during that, you you had mentioned, uh, whether intentionally or not, like what success looks like for you. And it's not, or at least my interpretation of what you said is not based on, you know, Spotify streams and how many podcasts you're on and all of that, which is whether or not what you create connects with, with, with listeners. That's beautiful. Bissa.
1: I mean, it's important though, because if you start judging your success on Spotify streams, that's a losing game. Mm-hmm. That is a great way to, to take, take your plane, take it, allow it to take off and then crash directly into the ground because you don't have control over that. You don't have control over who is connecting with your art. You don't have control over who's listening. You can certainly do things to try to encourage like more prosper and more success and more people to connect with it, of course. But it's those tender moments. It's those individual connections. And and again, that, that tangible humanity where like when you can connect with another person and they can tell you like that meant something to me, That's success. And like, again, I have had plenty of moments where I've been like, screw this. I'm leaving. I can't do this anymore. The music industry is hard. This isn't fair. It should be faster. It should be now. But the truth is, the universe is not going to give you something until you're ready for it. So you have to take your time. You have to take your grace. You have to pay attention and continue to grow. And, and in general, like, again, you don't get to play out how the numbers are going to go, but you do get to control how you move and you do get to control if you can continue and continuing for me, uh, you know, that is the success at the moment is just, you know, being here, being an active musician, showing people that my perspective matters. And then, you know, if people care or if people don't care, like that's up to them. And, and all I can do is is try to encourage, encourage it <laughs> as much as I can on my end.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, I'm I'm curious that I mean, we've dove pretty uh you know pretty deeply into the creative side of, of your work. Um but I'm curious at what point did you start to understand like the business side of being a musician? And the, like you mentioned, the industry is hard and like, there are some things, you know, obviously with the creative side that you can, can you can control and, and others things you can't, but with the business side, like, sure, there are things you can do that could potentially up the number of streams that you get on Spotify or whatever. How, how did you learn the business side? How is that? how is that progression going as a young artist? Um, are you working I know you're working with, you know, with a manager or management, you know, kind of firm. Just talk about the business side of, of your work and and what that's been like.
1: It's been incredibly clumsy and full of mistakes. <laughs> so, I love
0: honesty. It's great. Yeah. It it
1: the because again, think about it. At 20, with zero knowledge of the music industry, zero connects to anyone in the music industry. I mean, Jesus Christ, zero connects to anyone who has anything to do with anything serious about music. And then I find a guy in a crappy apartment and I'm like, hi, can I do this please? And then somehow it happens. And so then you kind of get caught up in the creative and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm doing this. Like, I'm making art. I'm doing the thing that I've seen all of these different artists who I look up to so much. Like, I'm kind of stepping into their realm. I'm stepping into that. But that's like a very naive and like youthful outlook. And so I think like, and this is something that I think a lot of young artists definitely do experience. And I think that this is also kind of unfortunately the bubble that kind of pops is the thing that differentiates the people who are really serious about it and the people who are in it uh to maybe use uh bachelor vernacular for the wrong reasons <laughs> um but I think you know again you're you're just you're being a poser you're making it up as you go so at the start it's like okay I think I know how to potentially put together like an Instagram ad or not even like a monetized Instagram ad. Like I just, I think I understand how to make content to support this release. So it starts a hundred percent organic, right? You don't really have any support from anyone. And you're just kind of like going through the motions of what you've seen other creatives that you like doing, or at least that's where it started for me. And with, uh, skinny jeans and bucket hats, uh, which I think currently is still my most dream song. Um, I think small talk is slowly fighting its way there, but, uh, you know, like that had a lot of organic growth. I think we did a thousand streams on that in like a couple of months. And for an artist that just got on Spotify for someone that's completely brand new to the Milwaukee music scene, who didn't really have any clout or any like reputation, you know, that was kind of like a remarkable feat that again, in my opinion, is kind of the universe saying like, you can do this, like keep going, this is going to work. But then you reach a point where it's like, okay, there has to be a follow-up. And so you put out your project. And then you put out your project. You're like, wow, I just put out a whole project. Oh, there still has to be something after that. And like a major record label has not come to my door and offered me a spot. What is going on? Right. So like you kind of reach this point where it's like, you realize that as an independent musician, and I think that there's actually a lot of merit and a lot of like very great value in being an independent musician. Um, You have to figure out how to navigate those landscapes on your own. So I was fortunate to be chosen for an accelerated opportunity um, where I was given a grant, but also a lot of really hard learning lessons. It was you know, marketed to me as a opportunity to learn all about the music industry um, and also to jumpstart my career. I think they said to me at the beginning of that program, by the end of this program, you're going to be able to financially support yourself with music. I'm like, great, that's what I want to do. I started doing this in the middle of the pandemic when I had kind of hit this wall of feeling unsure about what was going to happen. And then, you know, reality came and that's not what that opportunity was at all. And it was a lot of discrimination against me because I was a woman and it was a lot of industry professionals coming on zoom calls and talking at us for 45 minutes about how successful they are and not responding to the emails that you send after, you know, there's a lot of hard lessons that I had to learn. And, you know, people telling you point blank, you're not special enough to be a musician. I was told that by the people who were running the program. So, you know, It's hard when you're in this position and mentally you're at a place where you're like, I'm going to prove myself. I'm going to show who I am. I'm going to make this happen for myself. This is my time. And then you find the reality of that is kind of the opposite. It's hard not to take that personally. And it's hard not to land in that space and be like, Maybe I'm not special enough. Maybe I am stupid. Maybe I don't know how to do any of this. It's hard because, but again, you're not taught. And unfortunately there is no uh, guidebook. There are there are resources that might be helpful that you can kind of reach towards. And I'm very grateful to have built a network of like community now being active in the scene for as long as I have, where like I have industry people that I can go to for advice who can support me if I'm looking at a contract or I'm talking with a new company or a new opportunity seems to be arising. I have people that I trust that I can go to who have those knowledge and are working more actively in the scene that I can go to and be like, hey, can you look at this? Can you give me advice? Do you know what's going on with this? But you don't start with that. And and unfortunately, a lot of those business lessons are ones that have to be learned the hard way. But fortunately, what that experience did for me is it gave me a crash course in the reality of music industry. And it, it, it built up my armor. It gave me a reality check. And it reminded me also that I'm that bitch, okay? Like I'm doing this, I'm making this happen for myself. I've been making this happen for myself. Nobody said that this could happen but me. And here I am, and, and it's gotten me this far. And so it's this line of trusting your intuition and staying open to abundance. And that's a lot of what I've been talking about recently with you know, just when I'm talking about where I'm at mentally, what I'm looking for for myself, but also if you're talking about like advice or, or, or philosophy, this is where I'm at personally is you have to stay open for opportunities. You have to be open and available for abundance to find you. And unfortunately, when you stay open, um, there's going to be, uh, things that aren't very nice that can also come your way. But as long as you trust yourself and as long as you have people around you that you can trust where you don't have a good feeling about something or something isn't going quite right, that you can kind of fall back. Reassess the situation and continue moving forward, knowing that like you have fortified yourself on your own, that you don't have to count on an external force to be the end all be all for your craft or for your success or for what the success of your career is going to look like. That's really, I think when you kind of have that freedom to, to be just more empowered in the business space. Um, and it's something that I'm again, clumsily still failing my way through and still learning and still making bad decisions with, but I'm making better decisions now than I did a year ago. And a a year from now, I'll be doing better than I am right now. And, you know, I am fortunate. I I'm actually just wrapping up my, uh, you know, PR campaign, um, that I'm working with, with Liberty, um, which is out in the UK another really interesting learning experience. There's a lot of resources, especially for independent artists uh, that are out there. And I think especially in the Milwaukee music scene, they're just not really talked about very much. Um, And and there's just like, unfortunately, not a whole lot of discourse about the actual tangible options about how to finance and market your music in an effective way. And again, that doesn't mean that every marketing campaign that you're going to run is going to be the most successful, but there are steps that you can do, uh, to, to, to really try to bet on yourself and, and really try to put into to your craft and say like you know what i believe in myself i believe that this is something that's worth hearing and like again you're you're spending the money upfront you're spending the money on studio time you're spending the money on cover art you're spending the money money on a youtube video you should be just as eager and just as mindful from a business perspective to be budgeting on the back end on how to do effective marketing and how to connect with companies as well as individuals that are going to help you do that the most successfully and i think it's kind of naive to think That just as an individual, well, maybe if I throw $35 at a Facebook ad, that's going to make me pop off. Okay, respectfully, hon, probably not. Because you aren't a marketing expert, you don't know how these things work, you don't know about the demos, you're not targeting anyone, you're not using the tools effectively and you shouldn't know how to do that because that's not, you're an artist, that's not where your expertise lies. But then at the same time, we can't be surprised when you are turning yourself into the marketing expert and trying to do those things that it's not yielding the, re- the results that you want. And I think that that was also a crucial lesson that I had to learn, where sometimes it's important to look. Look to professionals if you want to get a professional result.
0: Yeah, well, that's a pretty critical insight to have to have learned. And it seems like a simple one, but it also seems like one that uh, artists tend to kind of uh, grapple with in a way that like delays that sort of understanding, that realization that like, yeah, you're good at this thing, like continue to be good at this thing and, and delegate you know, as you can, as you're able to, to other people who are good at the other things. Um, and I think that that's just a, that's just a realization that all entrepreneurs need to make, not just, you know, creative entrepreneurs, but like learning how to delegate is something that I think a lot of people struggle with, particularly when it comes to, like what you're putting out there is you. And so you want as much control over it as possible. But sometimes the grip that you have on it is actually like suffocating its potential to actually get out into the world. And it seems like that's something that you're, you've are you realized.
1: Well, and it's interesting too, because there's also a fine line. At the same time, you see people who have a manager and a this and a that, and they have, Two songs out, and no one's heard of them. And then you have to ask yourself again: Do you actually need a manager? What is that person doing for you? I learned that lesson. I had managers <laughs> quotation marks. He's quoting right now. Uh, uh, I had managers uh, who I had to fire, and that was drama. But it was like you're not doing anything for me. You're just calling yourself my manager, and like maybe like, I don't know, taking care of something I should be taking care of myself. And like, it's interesting too, when you start to take the reins back and do some of those things that maybe you're telling yourself that someone else should be doing, you start to realize like, wait a minute, there's nuance to this. I don't think that person understood the nuance to this and they didn't ask me about it. So what did they, what were they even doing here? How did they even accomplish this? And why wasn't I consulted? So I think it's a fine line, especially as an independent musician, where there you have to, you have to make important distinctions. What are things that I can take ownership for myself? Uh, and and what are things that are better left to other professionals. And unfortunately, uh or maybe not unfortunately, I guess it just depends on how you look at it. There's a lot of things that should be falling on the independent artist. If if you're serious about it, if you're taking it seriously, you should be dedicating real time, real effort, you should be educating yourself about as many different things as you can. And and again, I mean like I've been doing this for 4 years, and I'm just scratching the surface. So it's not like you have to learn everything overnight. And in the same breath, it's not like, uh, the first song you ever have to put out, you have to be searching out to have a full marketing campaign behind it. That, that doesn't make sense. It all has to happen organically, you know, and there's a natural growth and swell to everything that you do but it is important to be thinking about those things and paying attention and just asking yourself on both sides. If you're not finding the results that you want, why is that? If you're not being as successful in things that you'd like to accomplish in your music, maybe you're putting too many responsibilities on other people who don't really care about your music the same way that you do. And if you are finding that you're looking for an outcome um, and you're trying something yourself and it's not really working, maybe you do need to look for greater support externally. So again, yin and yang balance, everything hangs in the balance. Um, it's a lot of trial and error, but I think that's why I'm so excited to be able to sit down for conversations like this, you know, and have poignant conversations like this. Um, I'm fortunate to be connected with folks at radio Milwaukee. And I think, um, my great hope I was able to, you know, audit their amplifier program, which is a similar accelerator industry program. Unfortunately, uh, the way Of the format of that has kind of changed a little bit from my experience with them. But I am going to hopefully be working with them and trying to, uh, you know, create greater space and community um, for all independent artists, but especially in my mind and heart and eyes for, for women and femme and queer folks that are looking to step into the music industry, that are looking to, to begin to do this, whether you have already released music or if it's just like a dream or something that you're looking to do in your heart. like I really believe that there are so many talented people in Wisconsin and that um, what we can continue to do is lift each other up. We can continue to educate each other. We can continue to flesh out um, this, this scene, because, you know, I think that there is a lot of benefit being here, but there's a lot of growth. And I, and I hope, um, you know, when I think about what my goals look like, obviously I want to be successful in my music, but I definitely want to continue to grow the community and create more resources and more opportunities, um, for, for, you know, the young version of myself, when I had to go through individuals that maybe weren't the most trustworthy or where I had to put myself in spaces that weren't very safe for women or where I was constantly being the only woman in the room for years on end, you know, and again, I'm fortunate at this point to be in a place where I get to pick and choose who I work with and set boundaries about what those environments are going to look like. But when you're just getting started, uh, it's hard to be able to do that because you're just trying to get your foot in the door. And so I'm hoping I can maybe wedge that door open a little bit more and create safer spaces, uh, uh, for folks, um, in Milwaukee, but obviously in Wisconsin as well, uh, to flourish and and kind of learn these lessons in maybe like a softer place to land.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm so glad you kind of naturally took the conversation there because when you had said that you experienced, you know, gender discrimination within, you know, the industry, my mind went to, okay, let's, let's dive into that a little bit. Um, and so it's, it's clearly a passion of yours. You speak about, about it like very with, with like exuberance. So like, kind of give me your impression on um, the music industry and, and you can you can kind of zoom in on Milwaukee or or in Wisconsin or just the music industry as a whole, uh, like nationally, globally. Uh, your impression on gender and sexual orientation and sexual preference in terms of the discrimination that you have seen um, you know toward those people, And, um, and, and what does it look like to, to change that? Like that's cult changing culture is incredibly hard. It's incredibly hard. And so, you know, obviously in your kind of corner of, of the, of the industry, you've got some, you know, some firepower behind doing that, but what does that look like for you?
1: Absolutely. I mean, I think, the question that you've asked is quite a large question. Of
0: course.
1: Yeah. Right. There's, there's a lot of different levels and facets to, to what we're talking about. So, I mean, let's start big. Cause I don't really care to talk about this. The, the industry as a whole for too long, because the fact of the matter is the music industry is that it is an industry. It is exploitive and it is trying to make money. And so that is the end all be all. That is like one of the biggest lessons that I learned going through that program actually, because I think like I had this, I had it in my brain that I was like, if I'm talented and I try really hard, that is all it will take. I I will put my music in front of these people and they will hear that it is good and they will see the vision and and it's going to take off for me. And And the reality is like, no, you need to prove to the larger music industry that you are a safe investment that is going to make them money that's just the reality of the thing. That's why you hear about music, or excuse me, that's why you hear about musicians getting screwed over so often in these horrible deals that they're signing is because again, they're not caring for the artists. And so again, it's not surprising then when you look at the climate, that they're not taking care of the artists on the whole, and that there's not a whole lot of care being taken about what the climate looks like and and how women are being treated and, and how uh, power dynamics are playing out um, in these scenarios. I think, unfortunately, that is just the reality of what the industry looks like. And I don't necessarily know that there's a lot that I can do to change that. What I can do, in my opinion, is make a tangible and clear impact on my local community um, in trying to change the climate and the the, the very large issues, unfortunately, that we do face is particularly in the Milwaukee scene. But unfortunately, it's not just a Milwaukee problem. It's a national problem um, that that I hope to, to make a little bit of an impact on a, on a local level. Um, I think on a personal level, when I think about uh, how I want to move forward, still trying to work in the music industry and standing here and saying, screw the music industry, right, is, uh you know, again, organic growth if you build a fan base and if you build a community um, of your own merit, right? You connect with people, you continue to get people to engage with what you're working on and care about what you're working on. Those people are going to stand by you. and, 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 you know, fortunately the music industry can't take that away from you. And that, that gives the artist a lot of power, but because it takes so much to get to that point where you have that comfortability in that fan base there to kind of protect you. Um, it means that you have to kind of fight really hard on your own for a long time before you're, you're going to be able, maybe be able to accomplish that organically. And so I think that's where you see artists kind of overzealously stepping into rooms, stepping into contracts, stepping into agreements, whatever it may be, uh, that aren't going to be good for them and that maybe aren't safe for them. Um, and so again, like if we're, if we're talking about on a local level, uh, we have a sexual assault problem in Milwaukee we have a problem. It is an epidemic. We're not talking about it. It's a good old boys club. We work very hard to protect the men in this community. And it is honestly appalling to me, the level at which we are comfortable with allowing abusers and sexual assaulters to bounce back and reenter society and, um, you know, just continue to thrive And flourish. And I think there's always a second chance for them, but what they don't realize is that when you do that to another person, and and obviously this is not just a men's issue, but if you're looking at the statistics, it is resoundingly a man's issue. um, You're ruining someone else's life. They don't get to bounce back. That is trauma that they will have to live with for the rest of their life. And no one wants to talk about that. Everybody wants to talk about the abuser and nobody wants to talk about the other person who was involved in that, who was going about their life in whatever in whatever context, in whatever context it might be. You know, It's a difficult thing to have happen. A lot of people put themselves in vulnerable positions because they're struggling in other capacities. That doesn't mean that they deserve to have that happen to them. And so what I see, unfortunately, in the music industry in Milwaukee in the music scene in Milwaukee and in the overall climate of Milwaukee is a general disregard for the safety of women, um, and for the ability for women to exist, to have fun, to be free and open, to be authentically themselves and to not have to worry, uh, that, that they might be harmed. That's just an unfortunate and very sobering reality of where we sit. I know so many women who have gone through this and I've gone through this. It's a very real part of my experience. And I think if you listen to the music, you will hear that. It's not something I've ever spoken on publicly about, to be honest with you. This is the first time I'm really having this conversation. And it's something that I feel so passionately about. Um, And yet in the same time, it terrifies me because there are powerful people who will work endlessly and tirelessly to uphold the status quo and, and uphold, uh, the, the system which allows this to continue to happen. And so I think, again, when I talk about why I want to be an artist, why when I talk about why these things are so important, it's so that we can have conversations like this, so we can hold men and people of the community accountable uh, when these things happen. And, and, and I'm not talking about social media. I'm not talking about airing someone out on Instagram or reposting things about how terrible sexual assault is. All of that is great. It's fantastic to remind people, but I'm talking about real tangible in-person spaces. I'm so tired of being the only woman in the room. It is exhausting. And I bring this up to the men who host those spaces and they become incredibly defensive and they want nothing to do with it. And I'm the bitch and I'm the person that has the problem and I should be grateful or whatever it may be. And that's fine. But the reality is it doesn't have to be this way. And so for me, then when we talk about tangible change and when we talk about things that are important, it's being the person who's going to create a different room. Fine we're not going to your studio anymore. We don't need to. You're not invited to the show. You can't come on stage. I'm sorry. Your behavior has made it so that is no longer an option. And I want you to heal. And I hope you're going to therapy. And I hope you're doing great, really. I I hope you're finding peace. And I hope you're finding something that is educating you about why those actions are disgusting. However, we don't have room for that. We simply don't. We need to protect our women, our femme, our queer, our people of color. We need to protect them. It is vital, and there's not enough of that going on. And there's not enough poignant conversation. People are scared to talk about this. It's an uncomfortable conversation. People don't like it. And so, again, I think I haven't done this much, but I am stepping into myself in a, in a new way these days. Um, and I think uh, it's only going to become more. from me, at least, you know, I, I care about this a lot. It's incredibly important work. And, um, again, like I'm doing it for my younger self who, who didn't have that luxury, who didn't have someone looking out for me. And unfortunately, in a lot of ways, there still is not anyone looking out for anyone. It's a lot of keep to yourself. And I think that's a bit of Milwaukee's culture. We're also one of the most segregated cities in the nation. And that's not an accident. And what that does is it creates divides in our community. There's class issues. There's class issues all over this country. It creates divides. And so again, we're all dealing with a lot. We're all battling with a lot. Uh, but if if I can take my presence um, as an artist in this city and, and I can step into a role of a leader and, and create a, a safe space, uh, for, for other folks to land, like ultimately that's the greatest goal. And let me plug, I, this will probably be out after, but this weekend I'm going to be performing actually tomorrow, Jesus Christ, time moves so fast tomorrow. I'm going to be performing at uh, VAR Galleries uh, for the opening of The Nook, which is a studio space with Carnegie Imagery and Ali, whose name, my last name, I don't know, which is terrible. But if you look up The the Nook MKE, it's going to be located in VAR Galleries, and it's a studio space that is intentionally uh, being curated and managed to create a safe space for femmes and queer folks full stop. You can come there to be safe. You can create content there. You can network and meet other people uh, that, uh, you know, have similar um, ideas and and cares and whatnot. So, you know, it's like this is starting to happen on a smaller scale. And and I really believe in that. And and my goal is just to continue to push the limits on that. And as I gain uh, more traction in my personal career and I gain more resources and more access to make more of an impact, please believe that I will be doing that.
0: Oh, Abissa, I am so appreciative and grateful that you just opened up like that on such a sensitive uh and, and unfortunately a polarizing topic. Um, there's it's just riddled with divisiveness and you're either one side or the other. And that's just it's just not the way it has to be. It just it's just the way it is. But um, you know, more power to you in creating new rooms, creating safe spaces um and i was even going to ask b- b- before you you plugged the nook um like so who or where or what in Milwaukee do you see as doing you know as doing this the right way is creating these safe spaces so in addition to you know the 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 gallery and 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 the opening of the nook like are there other entities or people or groups or artists or, or supporters of artists that are doing that are doing exactly what you think need to be done
1: um, honestly, it's tough. I, I, there's not a lot. I think Radio Milwaukee is a very positive entity and force for sure. Um, I think there's work to be done everywhere though, and I think. Wherever you see institutionalism, there's always going to be a little bit of murkiness where there, unfortunately, there's going to be a political aspect that makes it so, um, you know, taking full stances um, can sometimes be hard for, for, uh, you know, full institutionalized places. Um, I think... Unfortunately for me, those safe spaces look like people's houses, um, and look like the personal community that I've been able to connect and build with, um, in, uh, even just really the past year. And I think again, uh, it's one of those scenarios where unfortunately the majority of the institutions, the majority of the studios, the majority of the spaces like this, um, unfortunately just aren't really meeting the mark in my opinion. Um, and even too, it's just tough because, you know, studios or whatnot, they're running a business. Um, and so to turn away certain clients, if you don't agree with the morals of what they've done, maybe isn't good for business, um, or, or different scenarios like that, I'm not really sure. Um, but again, what I tend to see, or, or, I mean, even a few months ago, I was, in my feelings getting up on Instagram talking about a 12 all male lineup for a for a fashion brand that had come back and was having like a homecoming show and every single person on the lineup was a cis male. And I don't understand how that's possible. To be completely frank with you, I see these things and it's just irresponsible. It's irresponsible, it's lazy, it's sloppy and it shows a genuine disregard for diversity and for again, creating a safe environment. Because again, if, if every room, if every lineup is just full of men, what message does that send? We don't care about you. You're not important. It's not important for us to be here. I can't tell you how many times I was the only respected woman in the room. And I was allowed to be there because they liked what I had to do with my music. And the only other time another woman would show up is if it was somebody's side piece or a girlfriend and if they did they were just coming through and they didn't really talk much and they sat on their phone in the corner of their room because it's not there's it's not environments that are that are thinking about caring about women caring about diversity caring about these things and I know you know it, I'm kind of on my soapbox right now and and I understand that it comes across preachy and so like i can understand on the opposite side it's like well that's that's not fair we're just hanging out with our friends or we're just these are just the people who want to come around or these are just the 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 art there's more male artists than female artists so we just we had to go with them but again if you care about these things you're paying attention and if you care about these things you're looking around the room and saying maybe it is weird that we don't ever see women. Maybe it is weird that my entire community is just male. Like there is a balance to everything. Women are complex, intelligent, emotional beings. We have so much value to bring to the table. And I think as much as there's kind of this narrative, I think that like, the big women's issues have gone to the wayside where it's 2022. Things are progressive. Don't women have enough. Can't you just get over it? I have been discriminated for my gender in just about every workplace I've ever been in. And I'm not talking about the music industry. I'm just talking about being a strong, clear-minded woman who knows what I want, steps into roles of leadership and advocates for things when i think i see things that aren't right. They don't like that. They don't want us to be that way. They want us to be quiet. They want us to agree with things. They want us to do what we're told and i'm tired. I'm tired of doing what i'm told. And so again, if i can even, you know, forget all the men, forget the 50% of the population, no offense my sweet guy, but forget all the men, just as women, if we start taking a little bit of our power back, And if we start betting on ourselves, and if we start organizing, and if we start making the spaces, and if we start putting on the shows, and if we start saying, I'm not going to be the only woman on a lineup, I'm not going to be the only woman on a lineup. Thank you for the opportunity, unless there's another person that shows the slightest amount of diversity on this lineup, I can't do it. I'm so sorry. Thanks, though. You know, it's taking these little stances and and doing what we have in our personal control, those are the things that are going to translate to a larger cultural shift. And so I think that kind of actually perfectly goes back to the beginning of this conversation, which is how do you change a culture? It feels impossible. It's a horrible way. I mean, it's the same with modern day racism. It's vile and it's sick. And it feels like it's never gonna go away because it's institutionalized and it's woven into our government and our culture and everything that we've been built upon. But for all of these issues, it's a matter of taking personal ownership and initiative and making changes and taking stances in your personal life when you see those opportunities arise. And unfortunately, it's usually not the easy choice. It's usually uncomfortable. It could have bad consequences. But I promise you, cutting out those people and allowing those people in your life, take a stance, see how people react. If those people can't get down with the things, the boundaries, the morals that you have that you hold dear. I promise you, there are people out there who will, and you don't need to spend your time and energy in spaces with people who aren't going to appreciate you and appreciate the things that matter to you.
0: Oh my gosh. Yes, Bessa. Oh, um, I like, I know, um, you know, you were kind of referencing that you were on a soapbox but that was a very that's a not a soapbox like you're taking a stance and it's 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 beautiful it's empowering it's inspiring um I'm so grateful that there is a, a voice like yours in Milwaukee's music scene for all these very poignant important and you know for lack of a better way of saying it revolutionary type stances to take to change a culture so thank you like first and foremost just Thank you for, for, for seeing things this way and not just seeing things this way, but doing things this way. Um, And then also just sharing, you know, like this is how revolutions are started. You know, people have to speak (laughs) up, uh, people have to speak up very, uh, you know, very kind of aggressively and assertively. And like, this is what I stand for and passion. It's clearly there. It's clearly there. Um, I'm excited to see. This, you know, small corner of the music industry, as we as we talk about Milwaukee, uh, you know, move in the right direction um, with with your leadership, with with your voice, uh, with your community. It's I'm I know it's easy to to be kind of pessimistic about, you know, the state of things right now, but I got to tell you, Bissy, like the last 15, 20 minutes has given me just 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 this feeling of of optimism and hope um and so thank you thank you
1: thank you for giving me a platform to talk about these things and and for not being afraid to ask uh hard questions you know i mean i think again there it's easy to only talk about the music it's easy to uh, stay very surface level and to dance around difficult topics and and not want to have the bravery to um, have these types of conversations. And again, like this is a reflection of your platform as well. You're allowing me to come on to music ventures and, and say these things. Right. And so again, like I've never had the opportunity to outwardly speak about these things. I think most of the people in my personal circle know that I'm very passionate about this and, Um, it's been something that I've been very passionate about for a very long time. I think, um, yeah, again, I I just, I feel like there's a gap. I just feel like I don't see enough people talking about it. And I think at a certain point, uh, you have to be the one to take the reins and say, uh, enough is enough. Um, it's not everything, but it is a start. Um, and, and conversation is a powerful tool.
0: Absolutely. Uh, So, Bissa, 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 this was, um, I'm just so grateful that you were able to, you know, feel comfortable speaking about this, the way that you have so passionately, it is, of course, something that needs to be shown a light on, um, and I wish you nothing but the best in moving the needle forward uh, when it comes to discrimination and just the treatment of women and and femme and queer and 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 all types of creatives um but but specifically that demographic of people um because you're right there isn't enough conversation about this there isn't enough light shown on this there isn't enough movement and momentum in that area. so thank you so much um now let's let's kind of, move ourselves back to your music specifically. Um, and, and we've talked off and on throughout this conversation about other people, uh, you know, your most recent project. Um, and you, you shared other people, the, the, the song uh, that that our listeners will hear after this conversation. Um, so take us through just like the, the, the influence, the inspiration, the creative process, the production, of putting this together, what it means to you and what you want people to know about it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, I I talked a little bit about it earlier, uh, but it was one song out of 35 made in a two and a half week time period. Um, And so what's kind of interesting about, you know, just the collection of Sad Girl Season as a whole is that it wasn't as though those songs were created distinctly to exist as a body of work um i do a lot of uh just playing when it comes to genre and sound. I'm very open to a lot of different styles of music and I'm very interested in fusion. Uh, so blending different genres and, and figuring out how to kind of create something that perhaps sounds a little bit new or fresh or different from what you're used to. Um, I think, In this song, but also in, um, you know, other songs as well, maybe 8.17 p.m., notably off the project as well. Um there's a little bit of like a hip hop influence there certainly with the production and then uh certain just flows that I like to catch uh where there's something that just kind of has a little bit of that rhythm to it that I really love to activate and play with. I always kind of refer to other people as my internet track. Uh Ego Death is one of my all-time favorite albums um and you know I've been in love with it ever since I heard it for the first time and I especially during fall really love to to play that music and listen to it and so I think especially if you listen to the outro at the end there's a lot of really kind of like whimsical and airy layering of different vocals um that happens to close the track and I feel like uh it always really reminds me of a Sid track and uh again one of my favorite artists I love Ego Death I love love the internet uh so much talent there so to feel like i was kind of creating something that feels like it could maybe in the very least exist on a playlist uh with um you know one of those songs um i'm really proud of it in that capacity um and then i'll also just take the opportunity to plug the visual that i have out um to accompany the other people track as well uh really beautiful fall, um, feelings falling in love. Uh, it's really meant to just kind of be kind of this ethereal vibe, uh, where you can kind of just feel like you're right there with us kind of on a crispy fall day, uh, you know, falling in love and and experiencing kind of the wonders that Wisconsin has to offer. I think this being a Wisconsin based podcast is something that I love to touch on. Uh, you know, we get to experience all of the seasons and, you know, I really try to capitalize on that as much as possible. I think it can be really difficult, especially as it starts to get colder to continue to be vivacious in going outside and, you know, doing photography and filming when it gets to be quite cold. Um, But I do think that there is something visually that's just so stunning. Um, So uh, if you like the song, definitely check out the music video as well. It is on my YouTube channel where there's a lot of other content that you can check out, a lot of other visuals, um, as well as tracks dating back kind of through years if you're curious to check out some of my older catalog. Um I think I'm really proud of that video. It was the first video that I kind of directed and shot for the most part pretty much on my own. Um and it's something that um I'm very excited to have the opportunity to share as well. So very proud of the music, proud of the project. Stream Sad Girl Season. Uh check out other people. Um it's my heart and soul. I've put a lot of time and effort and care into uh bringing it to, uh, the point that it is now. And, um, yeah, it's something that I, yeah, I'm just really proud of. And, uh, it's something that I hope to share with as many people as I possibly can.
0: Yeah. I, I find it like really interesting that you're not only doing, you know, the musical aspect of of this project, but also the visual aspect. Uh, uh, do you find that to be unique? In, in in you know as an artist as a musician absolutely.
1: absolutely I mean like one of the superpowers that I have is the degree in film uh I went into school kind of thinking I was going to do like documentary I was like really into vice and I had won like an international award for a documentary that I had produced in high school um and so I went into school kind of with that thought in mind but the way that my degree has been able to just like effortlessly kind of elevate, uh, my ability to be a musician has just been such a beautiful blessing. Um, I think visuals really have the opportunity to bring music to life and to add a completely new context and, um, element to the music and kind of engage, uh, with listeners in in an entirely new way. And so just being able to kind of like add that additional creative element and really kind of consider how, um, some of that can come to life, um, is just really fun. I mean, I think again, if, if you get curious, if you go and you look at my YouTube channel, I've concepted and directed everything that you see. So, um, from day dot, I've always been writing out all of the treatments, picking out the outfits, doing the styling, imagining the set design, and then usually working with other videographers to kind of get the final Um, outcome and then kind of like needling them over edits. And so just recently, I've kind of more so taken on that full part of the responsibility as well. It also allows me to edit a lot of my promotional content and like consistently create new and engaging ways to connect with uh, folks, particularly on Instagram is where I post a lot of it, but you know, I'm also on Facebook and TikTok as well. Um, and then also obviously, uh, the content itself lives heartily on YouTube. So, uh, yeah, you know, it's just, it's another beautiful way for me to To express myself and just bring new levels of excitement and intrigue to the music. Um, I've put out a few videos, a couple of lyric videos, and then the official video for other people to accompany the project. And there still is uh, for sure, at least one more music video that's going to be releasing um, somewhere here soon, uh, working up. Uh, just finishing the details of editing that, but that is really exciting. Uh, some Doctor Seuss themed visuals that are really vibrant and really vivacious and exciting to to look at. So, yeah, you know, just stay tuned. Um, endlessly more concepting and and more imagination uh, kind of happening all over the place when it comes to that. And I'm just like excited to be able to be able to be that involved with the creative process. I I think it um, definitely does kind of help set me apart a little bit.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, Bissa, you are certainly the epitome of a creative Uh, from the from the output perspective, just, you know, the music and the visual art. um, But just I also love so much the the empowered voice that is behind it and the story that you that that you've you've lived through and that you've so graciously shared with us today. Um, to kind of put a stamp on you know this conversation and and help our listeners just fully understand who bisarray is, uh, I'm curious as I ask all of our guests, you know what is the most important thing for people to know about Bisarray?
1: You know, you kind of gave me a little a little volley for me to think about this question, um, and I think I maybe I'm just going to reference my. Instagram bio right now which currently says I believe girl making art trying her best <laughs> uh which is to say um my music my brand the things that I work on and that I care about are simply a reflection of me um a young woman who is moving through the world and trying to turn it into the version of the world that I would like to see and trying to create the version of life that I would like to live you know I think we all only have uh one life on this planet it's kind of cliche but it's true and so I think like if anything I really hope that Uh, you hear my music and you feel empowered to go after the things that you care about and, and uh, you know, create the version of the life that you want to live in whatever uh, capacity that that looks like. And, and if, if something that I'm working on can inspire you to do that all the better.
0: Oh, that is so beautiful. Uh, This conversation has been full of just beautiful insights and, and perspectives and, I'm so, so grateful to have had the chance to sit down with you and, and talk so openly and um, and and you've said this word a few times vivaciously about your, your your path to this point. And it's only really like four years old. So there's so much more beauty yet to come. and I'm excited for you and and, and your future. Um, just th- thank you, Bissa. This has been lovely.
1: Thank you so much, I, I'm really uh, so glad to have had the opportunity to do this today and have the opportunity to talk about my music and the things that I care about.
0: <laughs> Thank you once again. Thanks for listening to the Musicians Venture Podcast. Please leave ratings and reviews from wherever you're listening from. Check us out online at themusiciansventure.com for more information on what we have happening, to find past episodes, and ways to get in touch with us. Find us on social media at the Musicians Venture on Facebook and Instagram, and at musicianventure on Twitter. Like and follow us on all those platforms, and hey, while you're there, engage with and share our content with your friends. The Musicians Venture Podcast is hosted by me, Nick O'Brien, with guest host appearances from Allison M. The podcast is produced by Shannon Coulard, with theme music by Mike Neumeyer. Thanks again for listening.